podcast is brought to you by Barbara Savin, the author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. Please listen to podcast number 721, where Barbara and Greg speak about how anyone can access their own healing powers to move pinned-up energy which is affecting their body negatively. Blocked energy in our bodies can manifest as depression, anxiety, fear, arthritis, and many other illnesses. Learn from Barbara how you can move this blocked energy in your chakras and create healing in your own body in her new book, Gentle Energy Touch. Please listen to podcast number 721 with Barbara Sabin. To learn more about Barbara and access her many resources, please visit www.barbarasabin.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And joining me today from Ann Arbor is John Baldoni. And John has a new book out called Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. John, good day to you. How are you doing? Good to speak to you, Greg. Um, I look forward to having a good conversation, and thanks for inviting me. Well, I appreciate having you on. I also want to thank our listeners. I always do this, John, because uh, they come all the time. I get new signups, and everybody out there that's listening from around the world because they come from everywhere, thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting our show um, we are entering our 13th year at this uh, and 730 podcasts. And um, John, I'm going to let the people know a little bit about you. He's an internationally recognized leadership uh, consultant, coach, and author of 14 books that have been translated into 10 languages. And by the way, for my listeners, we're going to have a link to Amazon where you can go check out all of John's books. Um, you also can check this book out at gracethebook.com. And we're also going to put John's website, which is John Baldoni, and that's B-A-L-D-O-N-I.com, so that you can go there and check it out as where there as well. You'll find a newsletter you can subscribe to uh, and get on John's list. Uh, in 2018, Inc.com named John a top 100 speaker, and Trust Across America honored him as its lifetime Achievement Award for Trust. And in 2019, Global Gurus ranked him number nine on its list of top 30 global leadership experts, the list that has been going since 2007. Uh, he's a highly sought after executive co coach and leadership educator. Uh, he's had the privilege of working with senior leaders in virtually every industry from healthcare to real estate, packaged goods, automobiles, finance, and technology. And again, uh, you can find him at John Baldoni, B-A-L-D-O-N-I.com. Well, John, this book about grace, I think uh, there probably couldn't be a better time in our history right now than to have leaders that have some grace. Um, we unfortunately don't see enough of it. And, you know, you have a very impressive list of people that you've interviewed for this book. As a matter of fact, the, the first thing that I recognized was this list of people. Um, and one of them is Alan Mulally. And, you know, I happened to see Alan at a Vistage event and was so impressed with his leadership style that I wanted to ask you a question right off the back, because look, when you talk about leaders in this book, you're talking about leaders that have grace. What did you learn about his leadership style during your interview for the book Grace? Well, thank you again for the kind introduction and 
Uh, I've known Alan Mulally for oh, maybe over a dozen years. Uh, I knew him when he was running Ford Motor Company. And so I followed his career. And, um, and so when I interviewed him, there was a, uh, I knew the backstory. And the exceptional thing about Alan was when he came into Ford Motor Company, he came from Boeing, so he was the outsider. The secret to him, and coming as an outsider of people, and Ford was in dire financial straits, he came in and the, the skeptics said, well, he's going to torch the place and get rid of everybody. Actually, he did just the opposite. A few handful of people self-selected out. What Alan did was mine the talents of the individuals already there. He looked at um, them as contributors, not as people who had been running a – uh, a, a failing company, and he re-energized them, and he got them to work as a team because he supported the team. And part of Alan's gift is uh, he's a cheerleader. He looks at problems as opportunities, and he knows that he selects people for teams and encourages his uh, his direct reports to do the same. Look on the bright side of people and look at them as solution providers. And Alan is an enthusiast. He's also a man, he is a man of grace. He leads with a sense of humility and he believes in service. He is the archetype of a servant leader. You first, me later, my job to support you. Well, I think that really does a good job of explaining him. A very impressive public speaker as well. Um, capturing the audience and the audience's attention and telling stories and a wonderful storyteller. Um, now, you start off the book, Grace, and say grace is the disposition to do something more for others. And you've created an acronym for the, you know, for the initials GRACE, G-R-A-C-E. Can you inform our listeners what GRACE stands for? Because we hear GRACE uh, some people out there may be thinking, okay, well, that's a spiritual term. And in essence, the concepts that you're talking about are deeply spiritual rooted, um, not religious. So um, can you talk to the listeners a bit about that? Right. I, um, I, the, the notion of grace we have comes from a religious context, but actually it, and every faith has it, whether it's Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, but it's also wired into us, if you think of the, our DNA, quote, the altruism gene. We are predisposed to look after others. So grace, uh, in my mind, and I'm looking at it from the secular sense, uh, but it does have a spiritual dimension, is the catalyst for greater good. And by turning grace into an acronym, it was enabled me to get a handle on how leaders could put grace into action. So G is generosity, which is the open-heartedness. R is respect, which is looking at the dignity of others. A is action. Leaders don't sit back. They make things happen. C is compassion care, concern for others. And E is energy, that catalyst. Leaders make things happen. So the G, R, and C are uh, people-oriented, whereas the A and the E are leader-directed in the sense that leaders are activists and leaders are energized and energizing. So that's my uh, modus operandi for developing the concepts of the book. 
Well, you know, throughout the book, you tell great stories, and we're going to get into some of those stories because it's uh, it's these interviews with these authors and some of the other stories you've weaved in uh, that really help to make the story for the book. Plus, you have questions at the end of many of the chapters for our listeners to think about. And you state that grace catalyzes what is good to make things better. What are some of the leadership steps? Now, this came out of, I think it, it, I think it was the second or third chapter that our listeners should know about um, in really imbibing this concept of grace within their leadership style. The steps of um, grace from a leadership standpoint are not all that different from things we've heard before, but it's talking about sharing the vision, working the mission, but it's bringing people along. And I, I've written about purpose before, and I talk about purpose as the why of what we do. That's not my original thought. Many others have had that. And purpose as such stimulates our vision and our mission. Per- grace is the how, how we achieve our vision how we achieve our mission. It adds to our values. In other words, you can create a company and you can say, hey, we want to be number one in our category and B, we want to be, and and our way we're going to do this is to um, provide the service. You can do it with people or you can do it without people. If you're a graceful organization, you will employ the values. What do we stand for? How do we bring people together for common cause? What holds us together? Values really is another word for belonging, and we all want to belong to an organization. I find that grace is that outlook that predisposes us to look at the kindness in others, and that's what a lot of the folks I talked to talked about looking at people, assuming the best intention, rather than operating from a prejudicial standpoint, as we can easily do. You know, I kind of make this analogy. Uh, I used to work in advertising, as I told you. And one of the things that advertisers strive for is uh, brand identity. So you go into a supermarket and you, you know, you see 400 brands of cereal or that. You only look for the brand that speaks to you. And sometimes we kind of do that on our own lives. We hear or see someone and we think, well, she thinks that, and so I'm not going to associate with her. Or he is like that, so we write him off. And getting back to Alan, that was something that he dispensed with because, A, he didn't know the backstories of individuals, but he assumed the best intentions in others. And so often in turnaround efforts, not simply at Ford Motor Company, but many others, it's people who get overlooked in an organization because they've got crossways with a manager. A new team comes in, and those people flourish. Why? Because the new person looks at them as a contributor, more as an open-heartedness. And how can you help us achieve our uh, vision and mission and embrace our value system? Well, it is so important, as you said, when you're you're catalyzing something and to do this with grace. And I love the acronym that you've created. Now, you tell some great stories in the book and you make a point about humility by talking about Murray Howe and Wayne Gretzky, both hockey players. Uh, some might not know Murray Howe, um, but can you impart those stories? Because I thought oh, the sure. one about Murray Howe, who's now deceased, was, is, is actually quite nope. an interesting story, especially about his humility. 
it's Gordie Howe. Uh, his son is Murray, and Murray spoke of him at his eulogy. Sorry and about it, it, that. Yeah. No question. And I'm not trying to call you on the carpet, but it's interesting. Murray is the only uh, – oh, Gordy played with his two sons, and Murray was the one that didn't play hockey. Instead, he became a physician. <laughs> and so he's a good friend of – and he gave the eulogy for his father. And so some of what I talked about, Gordy, comes from Murray's uh, eulogy. He also wrote a book about his father. Gordy was probably the greatest gen- uh, hockey player of his generation. And um, Wayne Gretzky, also called the greatest of his generation, knew him since boyhood and said the thing about Gordy was as great a hockey player as he was, he was an even better man. And that's the wonderful thing about um, uh, Gordy. You know, he would show up. He was on the rubber chicken circuit as a – celebrity within hockey world and all of that so if he got to an event early and people were setting up he would go in and set up the tables with them so he was just one of the guys and uh he treated his sons that way in other words they were quote royalty in the detroit area but they were never treated such they had chores and all these other things and uh he was just a good down-to-earth man i've known many stories about him i've never heard an unkind word that doesn't mean he wasn't fierce on the ice Uh, but but he was off the ice he was just a a genial warm-hearted individual gordy embraced what grace means because he was proficient in his craft a good teammate, but treated others with respect and was someone who um, looked on the better side of others. So. Yeah, I know you've got some wonderful stories in here. And as I want to let my listeners know the the list of leaders uh, that John interviewed for this book is very, very quite impressive. One of the things that stood out for me was there was a quote in there, and I've heard this quote before by Maya Angelou. And it says, I've learned that people will forget what you say People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you feel. Um, How I'm certain is this quote that you've got, and you speak about Maya Angelou within the book, relate to the grace in leadership, because the reality is the last part is what we're all attempting to do, and that's helping our employees, our customers, our constituents feel better. Yeah, I mean, basically what she's saying is, uh, in a much more eloquent way, is words are cheap, actions uh, matter. And so it, and it gets back to the, the, if you look at grace as the how, it's how you treat people. It's one thing to speak in platitudes or, you know, visionary statements, but how you treat people. And as you well know, Greg, from your business, um, it pays off to treat people right, <laughs> not just your customers, but your employees. Treat your employees uh, poorly, and they'll treat your customers uh, poorly in turn. But really, I think more deeply, it's um, we will look for leaders who make us feel good about ourselves. Maybe that's a, f- a function of grace. I I don't know, but it's you know it's that sense of approachability, accessibility. Another word might be vulnerability, humility that draws us to people. And sometimes people think that, oh, that humility is kind of a squishy concept. It really isn't. It's a sign of strength. Because if I'm a leader, a humble leader is say, hey, educate me. Tell me um, what I don't know. A a, a leader who's defensive, a leader who's um, egotistical will be afraid to admit that he or she doesn't know something, where it's actually a sign of strength and a sign of intelligence. But getting back to how you feel, we all want to be made 
feel better. And we all, part of that is to uh, be part of a cause greater than ourselves. And the great leaders, and this is, Alan embodies this in a way, it's not about Alan. It's not about the worship of the CEO. Alan's mantra was uh, the team, the team, the team, you know, and it's all about us working together. And that's what great leaders do. So to, to extend uh, Maya Angelou's thought is we feel, we, they, leaders make us feel good, but the good ones, it's we feel good about ourselves and we feel good about the people around us and we want to do good things together. So, Well, again, teamwork is imperative in any organization that uh, wants to be aligned. And as you had mentioned earlier, you know, move toward the vision of the company, be able to hold that vision. And it's a common vision, common purpose, common values that we have. Those are the great companies. The other companies have this command and control kind of situation, um, which we see in today's world just doesn't work. And, you know, you speak about SC Gwen challenging leaders to think deeply, communicate clearly, and do something important. Um, the best leaders are those who possess two powerful qualities of self-awareness and humility, which we've talked a little bit about. Why do you believe these two qualities are so important for leaders today and as it relates to embracing your acronym GRACE? Well, you you don't achieve very much by not knowing yourself. And it's interesting. Studies have shown, and I quoted it in my previous book, Moxie, that there was a study of senior leaders that said only 19% were self-aware. And I think that the study may have been accurate, but what I think what they were focusing on was that leader executives are so busy, and the nature of executives are they are doing things, and they are evaluated as such. So they're, they compartmentalize. They are outward focused, and they're so outward focused that they neglect themselves. You know, And that's why I built in, in my coaching practice, I always talk about reflection. And reflection is a way of building your self-awareness. It helps to be mindful. Sometimes people meditate, but taking stock of yourself. And the good thing about reflection, while we think of it as a solo enterprise, it can be with between two friends, two trusted colleagues to have a conversation about where we are, where we're going to go, those types of things. So self-awareness is critical. Knowing yourself leads into that humility as knowing my strength but knowing my limitations. Yeah, it uh, self-awareness comes from, as you say, reflection. And reflection comes from, call it meditation, contemplation, prayer, whatever. But you have to look beyond yourself. Uh, and then you have to get in touch with a higher source. So the spiritual side of it is, call it intuition, call it God, call it whatever you want. But the reality is, there is something greater than you. Um, you know, the body is just the body. The reality is we're getting messages from lots of different places. And to be self-aware, it requires that people take a look beyond that and, and have, I think, spirit and soul listen to the soul too. Now, this brings me to kind of this next question. Um, you know, you talk about moral clarity in the book and that the one place they can find it is at work. Can you speak with the listeners about moral clarity uh, as it relates to leadership and grace? 
Yeah, and that's a study from the LRN group that said that traditionally, I, I wrote about this and stuff, that traditionally we've looked to clergy for moral clarity, but we know um, uh, that clergy doesn't always set the right example. So a byproduct of that, curiously, is that uh, I don't think instead of, but people are looking at businesses to take a moral stand. And th this is in, cuts two ways. Customers want to patronize uh, companies that share their values, whatever. I mean, a classic example is Patagonia, which is very environmentally focused. But also employees want to belong to an organization that they can get behind. And so that when those take a stand on the moral issues of the day, take ethical decisions, insist upon uh, integrity and, and um, ethics. And this means, you know, I remember one of the financial scandals from, I don't know, there seems to be major ones every decade or so, but I was talking to a senior executive about, about these things. And, and when we were talking about ethics, he said, never assume anything, you know, um, and you know, you have to be, you say, well, we're a good company. You got to prove it and you have to prove it every day. And you have to set as a senior leader, you set the right example for, for it. I mean, you, you, you don't, uh, cheat on your expense reports. You're forthright in your relationships with others. You, uh, you know, treat others as equals, all of these types of things. You walk the talk when it comes to, uh, moral values. And people know that and they respect you for it. So it's not what you say, it's what you do. So um, um, that's where the moral clarity comes through. Yeah, and along that line are, you know, organizations that have this pride that stems from their spirit of civility. And you also have a good section in the book about ethics, civility, and comedy. Can you, not comedy, comedy, uh, can you actually uh, relate to our listeners this, you know, spirit of civility and the ethics and the importance of that as it relates to leaders um, embracing grace? Absolutely. And there was just a study done just released the other day from the Pew study that said people are absolutely fed up with civil uh, discourse because it's so uncivil, you know, the name calling, it's just, you know, sometimes we're, our, if we look at our politics, it's more like seventh graders. And that's not to say anything bad about seventh graders, but we expect more of people in a position. So civility is looking at people, um, again, with a spirit of grace. Civility also is a sense of empowerment. And I talk about this later in the sense of communities are building themselves. So, for example, I, I talk about LeBron James in there, not as a, uh, a, a great basketball player, but as a man who has given back to his community. And one of the things he's doing is in, uh, working with the Akron school system to create a school where uh, kids are under, uh, you know, disadvantaged children have an equal opportunity. And it's a holistic looking at, at it. And so it's the school system, but also embracing the parents and volunteers. So again, the, extending civility to a broader sense. Um, to community involvement. And you know, the civility stuff, <laughs> it was ingrained within our um, uh, founding fathers. George Washington, for example, wrote out the 110 rules of civility. He wrote them out as a young man and tried to live by them. And I quote a few of them too, but you know, some of them are 
kind of humorous do we talk about you know have good manners at work don't or good manners at the table don't belch those types of things but also it's simple things treating others with with respect and and if we kind of lost that and and, and i think Parents do a good job of teaching kids that way, but sometimes we lose focus of it. And so it bleeds off into the workplace. And nobody wants to go to a contentious workplace. It's good where you go and people challenge one another on an idea, but if we're making ad hominem attacks of each other, nobody wants to work there. And as you well know, Greg, that's not a productive environment. I mean, it's, it's antithetical to what you want to do for your business and for your customers. So. Yeah, it erodes away at the ability of people to communicate properly with one another. And I happened to recently uh, interview um, a gentleman who was a Navy SEAL, a doctor, um, a fighter pilot, um, phenomenal. And he and he came out back to California and brought his kids, and you know, and himself. And every time he addresses me because of the military background, it's sir. And you know, even the kids said to me, "Oh." hello, sir, you know, both little girls. And yep. it was, it was so, it just kind of hits your heart a little bit differently when somebody does that because there's so much respect in it. Right. Um, it's, it's, re- it's really honoring the person. Right. So it's a very good way of looking at it, Greg. And that's a, that's a good story. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, his, his book is called exceptional every day and it's, Jason Valdeo is his name. I'll say it because he's a wonderful man, an amazing, amazing person. Now, you say acting with grace requires a sense of respect for others. Now, we obviously know that at this point because of the acronym. And you have a list of graceful leadership steps that correlate to acting for the benefit of others. Um, What can you tell the listeners about what some of those steps are that they would want to ingrain or imbibe in their life so that they could become more graceful leaders? Well, first of all, it's looking at, as we said earlier, at the good side of people, assuming best intentions, looking at people as contributors, um, being generous with your time and with your spirit. And here's another little thing. Ignore the slights. You know, we we sometimes get our nose uh, out of joint because we... um, maybe hear a rumor about ourselves or we think we've been disrespected. And so we, you know, um, we act, get all our back up and act holier than now. Drop that act, you know. And, and toward that, I tell a story in the book about a man in the Detroit area, Jim Branstetter, who was a longtime announcer for the Detroit Lions. He was the color analyst. And he called up one day, uh, which is, he had done 31 seasons for the Lions, called the radio station to say, hey, I just wanted to, this was in July, wanted to talk about what's up for this season. And the guy says to him, says, well, Jim, you're not coming back next year. And so he's, what? You know, hit him out of the blue. So he hangs up. Five minutes later, calls back the station manager and says, um, I want to apologize if I sounded a little abrupt with you because your, no, your news caught me a little off guard. So I want to apologize. Now, talk about grace. <laughs> Here's a guy who'd just been fired uh, over unexpectedly uh, over that, and no one had braved him. And he's apologizing if he acted untoward, which I doubt that he did, but it was just that kind of thing. That's a man who acts with grace. Simple thing, simple story, but don't get your nose out of joint with a slight. So, 
Well, those are great little axioms for people to live by, you know. So, John, if you were kind of wrap up our interview and leave our listeners with some uh, graceful advice moving forward, um, people out there that are listening that are in managing companies or they're in mid-management or wherever they might be, um, what kind of actions would you tell them that they may want to take and what are some of the things that they should um, stop doing that aren't serving them as a good leader? Look, we all fall into ruts sometimes and we have to remember these things. And that's why you write a book so that people will remember stuff and so that they'll take away the good stuff. What's the good stuff you want them to take away and start using? Well, I'm going to hammer this grace is the how again. And because how do you want to lead your company? How do you want to treat people? How do you want to be evaluated by your customers? How do you want to be remembered? And when you start saying the how, it puts you in an orientation of the things you could do. And also, forgive yourself for a back step. None of us is perfect. We always do stupid things, um, but if you do something, apologize and resolve to do better. You'll do that a lot, at least if you're like me. But if you keep thinking of the how, you will be thinking, I want to act with grace. I want to act open-heartedly. I want to be generous. I want to be well-remembered. That'll guide your sense to uh, the kind of leader that you want to be, and it'll focus on the here and now because um, we are focused on our actions. You know, it's what we do, not always what we say, it's what we do. And that is the how of our grace, and it drives us forward. Well, I think that's just like what Maya Angelou said, you know, it's people are going to remember you for how they feel when you're done with them, right? Absolutely. So what you are doing in this book is giving people ways to make sure that the people um, become, they embrace your acronym, Grace. And I'd say for everybody, go pick up the book. It's on Amazon. We're going to have a link. It's called Grace, a Leader's Guide to a Better Us. Go to John's websites. There's two of them. There's one for the book, um, which is called gracethebook.com. There you'll also see some of the other I think 14 books that John said he's written lead with purpose, Moxie, uh, the leader's pocket guide lead by example, the 12 steps to power presence. Um, All of these books are there. We're going to put a link to Amazon as well. And if you want to go to John's website itself to learn more about him, booking him as a speaker, finding a little bit more about um, what he does, why he does it, his own passion, just go to John Baldoni. Dot com. That's B-A-L-D-O-N-I dot com. John, it's been, having a, it's been a pleasure having you on, uh, honor to have you on and speak about this book. And um, I hope that we will have you on again soon, uh, speaking about one of your other books. Hey, Greg, thank you. We've had a, a, a discussion filled of grace. So it's been a rich environment. And so I thank you for this opportunity and keep up the good work you do. Thank you so much, John, and have a wonderful day.
This podcast is brought to you by Jennifer Gluckow and Jeffrey Gittimer, the hosts of the Seller Die podcast. Please listen to podcasts number 722 and 723, where Greg speaks with both Jeffrey and Jennifer about their books, Little Red Book of Selling, and Sells in a New York Minute. During these interviews, you will learn more about what is required to become the best salesperson you are able to become, plus tips and ideas about what to implement into your daily routine. Greg also encourages you to listen to their podcast show called Seller Die. There, you will receive insights about selling with interviews done daily with thought leaders in the field of sales and marketing. Please listen to podcasts 722 and 723 with Jeffrey Gittimer and Jennifer Gluckow. You can learn more about what they're doing by visiting www.sellerdie.com. Also by visiting www.sellsinanyminute.com or by visiting www.gitomer.com. Thanks for listening.